Good morning, everyone. Good to see everybody here this morning for our class. Um, I did put new books for Revelation, which we're going to do next in the back. Those books are considerably thicker and bigger than some of our others, so it'll take longer to get through Revelation, but uh, it'll be uh, it'll be a good study to do next. So, um, before we get started this morning. If you will, please uh, please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you and praise you, Father, for your word that we've come to learn from and study, Father. We praise you for being our God, the Almighty God that's looking over us, that's teaching us and guiding us through this life, Father. And we ask that you would help us to learn more from you each day and to learn in our study here and to learn to apply this in our lives and and become closer to you and to draw closer to our Lord on the narrow path that we're walking, Father. We ask that you would be with us each day and lead and guide us on that path, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week we had left off. We were ready to do, let's see, we're in Jude. We're in Jude. We're ready to read verses 3 through 4. There's only one chapter in Jude, so it's Jude chapter 1. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I have uh, the question here in our book. What did Jude find necessary to exhort his readers? We'll start with the first part. Well, to to contend earnestly for the faith, right? That's what he was writing to exhort here. Yep. And you also answered partly a sort of a bonus question I was looking at, which is, um, what did Jude originally want to write to them about? I mean, his original intent and. Like I said, Addie kind of answered that. He was going to write to them concerning their common salvation or our common salvation, right? But uh, he found it necessary to write to them to contend for the faith. Now, why was that? Why this change? False teachers crept in. False, false teachers crept in. For certain men crept in unnoticed, right? Yeah. Now, how would we uh, describe... That problem, those people, how would we describe, he really describes them here for us. How would we talk about them now? Yes, ma'am. Sounds like they're trying to get into some sort of sexual perversion or some licentiousness and lewdness. Like just something completely inappropriate that they're coming in and teaching these things and getting people to, to do the wrong stuff. Right. They're turning the grace of our God into lewdness, which does sound like some sort of sexual immorality going on. And maybe they're saying that it's all covered through grace somehow or, you know, kind of that idea that, oh, well, you know, 
we can sin all we want because grace abounds to us. Maybe it's something like that, but it's some wrong teaching like that. Yes, Eddie. Well, the thing is, they were able to get in unnoticed. I mean, they were right. They slipped they in unnoticed. They were in and things started happening and coming to light. And that can happen to any of us, any church, any work. Yeah, that could happen to any congregation, any part of the body of Christ. We could have people slip in unnoticed because we're we're fairly trusting and open, and then things can develop, issues come up, right? And we have to handle those. Does anybody have anything else on that? All right. So we're going to move forward, and we're going to read verses. 5 through 19. This is, in a lot of ways, I'm just going to say it's the meat. It's the, the big portion of the letter here. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, all these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts, in these things they corrupt themselves. Woe to them! For they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are spots in your love feasts, while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. Raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame. Wandering stars, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints, to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed, in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which are spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. I may have misread that a little bit. Remember the words which were spoken before, uh, before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, 
not having the Spirit. So we want to look at question four here and list both biblical and extra-biblical outside of the Bible, things that we don't necessarily read or study ourselves, examples given by Jude. And then I want to look at these examples in detail, kind of bonus thoughts. Yes, Pat. The first one is the children of Israel when they were let out of Egypt. They right. Were, they were saved from that. They went through the Red Sea. Right. And then afterwards, they went out and built an idol. Or Arab built the idol and they worshipped it. Yep. So then they were disbelievers. So we're talking about the children of Israel who... This is again goes back to when you talk about uh, refuting the once saved, always saved thing. They were saved. They were delivered from it, from Egypt. They were brought out, right? And then they just kept rebelling and doing different things. And like you said, they made the golden calf. They refused to trust in God and go into the promised land. So they all ended up dead in the wilderness, right? So that's one example. Yes, Matt. So the next one is uh, verse 6 talks about the angels didn't keep the proper boat. And there's a lot of controversy on that one. But, you know, Genesis 6, uh, 1 through 4, where it talks about the, was it the daughters of, the sons of God and the daughters of men. Right. And the, the debate about what are the sons of God? Is it, is it faithful men or is that a reference to angels? Right. And then did angels intermarry with, with women or is it just that, you know, Faithful people and unfaithful people. So that whole debate there um, is discussed in other books like um, First Enoch. So that'd be an extra biblical reference. First Enoch one nine talks about this sort of thing. And it seems kind of like Jude is recognizing that this is a well-known piece of literature among these people, and drawing upon that and saying, "Hey, you know, just like this idea that the angels." did this, and they didn't do what they're supposed to do, using that as an example. Right. Jude is sending this, we know this is to, or at least we believe, this is to Christian Jews, so they would they would know, like the book of Enoch, they would know these things that we don't necessarily, nowadays, really look at or know so well, and he does make reference to that as far as the, um, the angels leaving their abode, not doing the correct things, and, and actually being part of that rebellion. And then also, I'm talking about Michael, the archangel, contending with the devil over the body of Moses. I believe that's from uh, another book called something about Moses. I forgot the name. Maybe. I can't remember the exact title. I should have wrote that down. Uh, but it is from the t something about Moses, Testament of Moses. I don't remember. But anyway, it's another book outside of the Bible, right? So we, so we do have some examples like that from outside of the Bible. Um, but then we also have biblical examples. We have Sodom and Gomorrah, very well known, right? Everybody knows them. Now, they weren't necessarily saved first. I don't really know much about those people, except that in their final state, they were really horrible. But then they list three people, and these are three examples uh, that we can look at in the Bible and really get behind and understand, just like with the children of Israel, mentions Cain and Balaam and Korah, right? So if we look at Cain, 
When we look back at Genesis chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So what did Cain do? What was his sin? He murdered his brother, right? So before he murdered his brother, what was his sin? He did not present a proper sacrifice, right? That's true. And then what else? What within him? What was going on? Anger. Anger and jealousy, right? I, I feel like, you know, God is saying, why are you angry? So we know he was angry. He had this anger, right? And this anger seemed to be against his brother, probably also some at God. Did you have something, Jim? Well, his brother followed what God said. Yes. He didn't follow what God said because it wasn't acceptable. Then he became angry at his brother who was not Right. He became angry at Abel, who did present that acceptable sacrifice. So Cain was already not following God. He has a lot of sins. That was kind of my point, is that he's, he actually has a lot of things here that are sin. He's not following God. Then he's mad because he doesn't get the results he wants. And then he's angry at his brother. It's just this whole culmination of things. And God is warning him. Uh, one translation says, actually, instead of sin being contrary to him, it says, sin desires you. That sin is there wanting wanting you, wanting to take you. and uh, But you must master it. But we know Cain didn't, right? Yes, Pat? Cain had a choice, too. He could have yes. done something different. He could have. He could have repented and done a better sacrifice, couldn't he? Yes, Matt? And even that whole... Deal that the Lord confronted Cain. I mean, the Lord spoke to Cain, and yet he's still just like, well, whatever, I'm going to kill my brother. <laughs> it is amazing to think about that like that, isn't it? And think about that. That that means God is still there watching over them. We often think that God has thrown them out of the Garden of Eden and doesn't care about them. But that's not true. God, God is still there. He's still there. So, does anybody else have anything on that? Okay, then I want to take a moment, and this will be a shorter one. We just want to look at Balaam. What was Balaam after? Because he even says so here. What is Balaam after? Profit, money, right? He's after material goods, whatever this honor that uh, the king of Moab was going to pay him. That's what he was after, right? We studied this in our Wednesday night class, so I wasn't going to get real deep into that. You can see that in Numbers chapter 22 through 24, though. Um, Balaam is, is drawn into the wrong side of things for the sake of gain. And uh, let's see, is that what he says here? Well, here he says, uh, in the error of Balaam for profit. So we know what Balaam was after. And then if we look at Korah, Korah is a little different. If you look at Numbers chapter 16, verse 3, they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said to them, 
you have gone too far for all in the... Now, this is Korah and these folks talking against Moses and Aaron, okay? Just to make sure in case this isn't clear. For all in the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? Does anybody remember what happens to Korah and these rebels? <laughs> Matt's nodding, of course. Does anyone else remember? That's right. The ground opened up and swallowed them. Korah and these, these rebels, right? So the earth opened up and swallowed them. So what was what was their sin or sins? Because you can list multiple things. Yes. Rejecting God's standard of his plan to have leaders appointed through Moses and Aaron. Just like, well, we all just can just be the leader, you know, just even though God had another plan. Right. Rejecting God's plan. Vilifying Moses and Aaron, the people that he had set as their leaders, right? So basically, you know, I mean, you can say disobedience and slander because they're talking bad about Moses and Aaron. You know, and they're trying to take control. So maybe there's some pride there. They want to take control of things. Maybe they want to run things themselves. And maybe again, some envy and jealousy. But all of these examples, um, including the ones that are not in the Bible that are mentioned, are of people who have been saved, right? They were delivered and saved, and yet they rebelled, they were disobedient, they turned against God and God's plan at some point. And that's just to show that it's not, you know, even though you've been delivered, and that's Jude's point, is that even though you've been delivered, you've been saved, you can still end up uh, losing your, that salvation. Right. So, I mean, this was to me, this was a big deal and a big point that he was trying to make that you're not free to just do whatever you want. You still have to follow God and his plan. And live that godly life. Right. So I just wanted to make sure we talked about those things. So um, does anybody have anything else on those examples that you gave us there? All right. If we look at question five, oh, it's not going to move anymore. Okay. If we look at question five, list the qualities of the false teachers that are condemned in this epistle. And he lists them out there pretty much. There's a bunch of different ones. They, uh, they defile the flesh, right? They reject authority, right? They're rejecting the authority of God and those that he set over them. That's why some of these examples, I think, apply pretty good. They speak evil of dignitaries or people in authority. Again, going back to like Korah's rebellion, that's something they were doing as well, right? They speak evil of what they do not know. corrupt themselves in what they know naturally. So that's 
probably applies to some of the lewdness and bad things that they were doing. That's not specifically spelled out, which is okay. Basically, they're serving themselves. Right? They're serving only themselves. They're grumblers, complainers. They're sensual and void of the Spirit. Do you have something, Jim? Well, in verse 10 it says, uh, they're like these uh, animals don't have the standard of uh, sexual morality. So hmm? That's true. do what gratifies their flesh, if you will. Yep. And that's what these guys do. Right. Okay, so these guys, yeah, like Jim is saying, they were like, they were being like brute beasts, just pleasing the flesh, doing what they want. Like an animal, an animal just does what they don't really think the way we do. So they just do whatever seems good to them, I guess is the best way to say it, or what instinctively they want to do. And these men were acting like that. They were acting like brute beasts and not following acceptable standards to the Lord. So, verse 8 also says, calls them dreamers. Why do you think that is? Well, we've seen reference to that kind of thing in the past in the Old Testament, right? Where Joseph was kind of made fun of and called a dreamer in a way. And I, I wonder... Are they claiming supernatural knowledge that they don't have? Because I don't think he's saying that they're dreamers in a good positive way. That's just from Jude's description of them. I don't think this is a good thing. I think people sit around and dream everything that they think is good, and sounds <laughs> good, and is good. And back in those days, they did the same thing. Right. People dream up things that they want <laughs> to make them good to justify we, we do come up with ways to try to justify ourselves that's true when we're in the wrong a lot of times we'll do that yes ma'am the new living translation interprets it the way that you're suggesting it says in the same way these people who claim authority from the dream live a moral life so like, I had a dream and I saw a vision yep. of God and he told me that we can do all this yeah, and we think of that as being back then. I will tell you, though, I've heard and seen people speak like that now. Oh, yes. Within my lifetime, I have heard people claiming this type of thing. And that's something I think we should just run away from because that's very scary. <laughs> I mean, yes, Addie. There was a woman that John tried to Bible study with for years. And she was in a denominational that dealt with all feelings and lack of knowledge or and John trying to explain to her one day something about the Bible. She looked at me and said, I don't care what that Bible says. I know what I feel inside. And she beat her chest and John says, Well I think we've gone to their conversations because there's no way for us to ever come to agreement if you're basing your knowledge on your feelings right. and not God's word. Right, we can't base our, our we can't base our knowledge or our faith on our feelings. We do have to go by God's word. We have to have something. It happens today, or it did yeah. happen today, and it happened back then. Yes, yes, it did. Yes, ma'am. 
in our study of First John, we touched on this too, in chapter 4, First John, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether or not they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. I can see what's going on here. Right. We, this, this came up. We said that there is a theme here in a lot of these epistles of false teachers and people claiming things, and it was back in true in First John as well. That there's this there's this constant struggle with false teaching and and problems like that cropping up. Does anybody have anything else on that before I I get into some things that I, that I just noticed in these verses? All right, so kind of bonus bonus content or however you want to think about it. So if you look at verse twelve. Does anybody's Bible say something other than spots for these people? What? Blemish, okay. Blemish? Excuse me? Hidden reefs, right? That that was one of the things I came up with. Spots and blemishes, pretty much the same thing. But I saw that some say hidden reefs. These people are hidden reefs, right? Now, if you think about, well... Why would you call them hidden reefs? We'll make a question out of it. Yes, Matt. Think, of, think about if you're a boating navigator or sailor or whatever, right? You're, you're trying to get into shore, and then all of a sudden you crash into a hidden reef. And it, you thought it was all fine, all of a sudden you poured the whole boat open and you're sinking. That would be a shock and a negative problem that you didn't expect. Right. That happened to Paul. Well, yes, that happened to Paul. He had to, he, they, they, they were shipwrecked. But yeah, hidden reefs, the reason they are called that, as much like Matt was saying, is that if you think about it from a naval boating perspective, especially back then, all their boats were like old wooden boats, uh, at least that I know of or remember. And if they did not see a reef and they just ran their ship into that reef, well, it's going to tear that ship open and they're all going to be sinking and quite possibly dying. That could be the end of them. And so these guys represent a real problem for a congregation because they can cause those kind of issues that, that really hurt. Well, we're all like on a trip and on a journey and a voyage together, right? We're all following Jesus on our way to that final destination. And these people can wreck that trip. That's the whole point, right? So it's just something to think about in that sense. Um, there also, is it in the same verse? Let me double check. Right. They're also in the same verse referred to as clouds without water. So what are clouds without water? Well, they're dry. Okay, I will accept that. That's dry. Okay, what you got, Matt? So it'd be that same, similar to how you think you're going into shore, and then all of a sudden there's this reef that you didn't expect. If you see a cloud, and in your agricultural society, especially in that area of the world, that's giving indication that we're about to rain, and our vegetation's going to be all good. But if you see that cloud, and then all of a sudden, no, there's not actually any rain. You're going to be surprised again in a negative way and it's a disaster right right they're clouds without water so yeah they're they give that appearance of 
rain is coming. That's that would be something good for like you were saying, an agricultural society. Yes. I kind of think of it as like false advertising. You think yeah. you're getting one thing and you don't. Yeah, you false advertising. Yeah, false advertising. You're expecting something. You have that appearance. You expect whatever that is. And then there's no substance. You don't get it. It outwardly looks okay. It looks fine. But they're empty spiritually. I had a comment. Oh, yes. Um, talking about hidden reeds. You know, later on, uh, the navigators of the sea knew where those reeds were, and they weren't hidden anymore. Right. So they knew to be careful, and that's the way we are if we study the Word of God. Those things are not hidden to us because by reading the Scriptures, their eyes are open, and we know what to avoid and not sin there, not go that way. Right. We're not like the like the first ship that finds those hidden reefs. I mean, you know, they have to they have to document that for the rest of us, I guess, right? But we have the we have the Bible so that we know how to avoid these problems and avoid these issues. But uh, so it kind of kind of equates to that, right? All right. So if we look at again, continuing in this this idea of just things that I was looking at and trying to make um, some understanding out of it. Um, verse thirteen. What does uh, this mean? Raging waves of the sea foaming up their own shame. So I thought that was a very strange turn of phrase. Well, I was looking at that from the standpoint. Okay. I was uh, looking at that from the standpoint of that their actions, what they're doing, the things that they do, it shows. You can see their disgrace and their honor and their dishonor, I mean. Their disgrace and their dishonor. You can see that stain that we think of. You can see that the wrong they're doing, it shows. You know, it's kind of like your your good fruit shows, but your bad fruit will show as well. Yes? Could it be that they're overly dramatic, trying to make a big show, that I know this, maybe going back to the dream. Look at me, God spoke to me, I'm trying to tell you and impart this to you, and they make a big, they kind of bluster on and make a big to-do. Well, it does say raging waves, so possibly that they are just making a big drama out of, it, out of things as well. Yeah. But just as a comparison, yes, ma'am. Maybe the idea, like the expression we say, um, you know, he left all of this disaster in his wake, so to speak. Right. That has been the... These people are causing so much trouble. And just take a step back. Look, everybody. Look at these people who have fallen away because these people are leading them astray. Look at the disaster they're causing. Right. You can see that's that's what I, that's that's along the same lines that we're thinking of. You can you can see the results of what they're doing, and it is it's obvious that it's you know disgraceful and wrong. And then if we look at verse sixteen. What are great swelling words? Now, your your translation may say something different, but that's what the New King James Version said. It's great swelling words. It was referring to how they speak. Right, arrogantly, I saw that. Yep, arrogantly. 
Loudmouth boasters. Yep. I saw that too. Boasting and spewing arrogance is one is some things I saw. And then you'll notice too, as a second part of that, though not necessarily exactly grace-willing words, but they were flattering people for their advantage, right? So they come in, they're they're buttering you up for whatever they can get. Who knows what that what their intent is, but you know, that's what we would call it. Yes, surely. Yes, they are grumblers and complainers too, right? And unfortunately, I would say in that, we can see ourselves a little bit in that sometimes, because sometimes we grumble and we complain. But, but in this sense, I, they're grumbling and complaining and uh, causing division, right? Well, rats, okay, I mentioned that. So anyway, so what can these people cause in the body of Christ? You see that in verse 19, right? And I just said that, but uh, you can see that they cause division, right? They're causing division, they're worldly and devoid of the Spirit, and they're, they have strife. They reign their strife with them and kind of insert it in the group. So, and, and sometimes, like I said, sometimes maybe we do some of that too. Maybe sometimes we grumble and complain about things. I've certainly done that in my life, so. Well, it's not simply people who like to grumble. I mean, that might be a legitimate complaint, but their intentions are much deeper to cause division, and that's what they're, I mean, they come in like um, a wolf in sheep's clothing, and they flatter everybody, and then they just kind of work their way through and cause division unknowingly. So right. Right, it's, it's the intent behind, I mean, sometimes we might have a valid critique of something. We might actually have something legitimate to talk about, but here, their intent, like you're saying, they're grumbling and complaining and things that they're doing is not for, uh, not with good intentions, you know, not with good motivations. They're doing this either, mainly, it sounds like mainly they're doing this for themselves, sounds like to me, mainly kind of selfish and wanting whatever it is that they want. So let's read the next few verses here, if, unless anyone has anything else on that. Okay. If we look at Jude, um, verses 20 through 23. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by flesh. Now, in the New King James Version, 22 and 23 are, I'll say, somewhat significantly different than from some of the other versions. If we look at the English Standard Version, King James kind of presents this as two, as like there's two types of people, say. There's two things. It's a have, on some have compassion, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. And other verses or other translations read this somewhat differently. They say, and have mercy on those who doubt, save others by snatching them out of the fire, and then they, they say this third thing, and from what I could tell, this is legitimate from the 
from the scriptures. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by flesh. So I, I don't like to drive us crazy with this with these different things, but uh, I believe there's a valid point to be made here for each three of those things. And so I was looking mainly at the English Standard Version for this, because from what I'd seen on other translations, there are these three things, these three separate things being mentioned. So, so I just wanted to mention that. Um, actually, I was going to go ahead, but we're... We're actually out of time, so I want to thank everyone for your time and attention this morning. Do appreciate it. We'll pick up with uh, question six next week.